You're listening to the Watling and Owen Show. Hello and welcome to a Thursday edition of the Watling and Owen Show. And Luke, congratulations, we made it at least five seconds without something breaking. Very big accomplishment yeah. for us. It was a rough one on Monday, but I think we made the right call, or Tuesday, but I think we made the right call, canceled the show. It's, look, I'm not going to blame anyone. No, but, it was my know, people, I'll take the blame. That's on me. Uh, I, you know, the government issued Wi-Fi doesn't always come through. I don't know why you have to bring so, that into it. I, I've grown <laughs> up. I've graduated from the government internet. There's nothing wrong with that, you know? It's just... See, uh, I don't know why you're slandering me, because it was the best internet I've had. We never had an issue when I had the government internet. The only issue we had is I when know. I changed and met, you know, and now I don't pay the internet bill, so to speak. It's not my internet. It's something that I, I pay towards as a, as a unit, as a, as a home unit, if you will. And it's not me. It's just bad vibes to start the, the show as usual. Which is um, which I didn't want it to be, but it is. And and there's we can't deny that there that there isn't bad bad feels because you know before the show, Luke, I was writing down some notes, and as I was writing about Kodai Sanga's injury, all you said was "little late for notes, bud," and it was like four o'clock. So I don't know why you had to jump me for that. It was like 4.05 at least. And look, I mean, I did the notes four days ago. I was so well prepared. And you, you know, sit there, did nothing all day. And then at 4 o'clock, fire up the computer to put some notes down. I mean, that's the difference. I mean, to be honest, I was grinding in EAFC. It was was the end of the transfer window. I had to grind, get my players. I got in uh, Saka from, not from Arsenal, though. I think he came in from Barcelona. Or Barcelona, if you will. So just had to remind our Arsenal friends that I swindled and got the hometown kid Saka his dad of course a big Newcastle fan so I got him moved out a uh, a guy by the name of Miguel Almiron if the MLS fans in our chat and podcast listeners know of which there are none strong um but I didn't think you need to slander me on, on that in that moment that that was hurtful yeah well you know sometimes you boot up the the show and Matt says your hair looks terrible go put on a hat no so, I didn't I mean, say that I know because you know what you want to you want me to take you through it and I haven't even told you this. Um, so after you know I went to the gym earlier today, showered, started playing you know EFC. I had to grind on it. You know one, two nil in my first game. Not to brag. Uh, I went to look in the mirror. I'm like, oh my hair looks kind of frizzy. It's standing up. It doesn't look great. I I tried to do the best I could and I said to myself, I'll pop on camera if it looks okay. Then I'll just let it rock and I think it looks fine. You can't tell that's frizzy because the the angle and such. And when you sat down, I I said Luke. I don't want to do this, but I think I'm going to have to say something. And you said, say what? And I said it. And I said, you know, the, the hair a little poofy on your end. And and then you cried about it. And, and that's how we, yeah. we got here with Luke wearing a hat. Second time this has happened in like a month. It's crazy. Maybe you just need to get better haircuts. It's not the haircuts. It's my hair. Just it goes out the sides. I don't know. There's nothing I can do about it. The only thing I can do is wake up a half hour earlier every morning. And I just I don't I don't care. I don't have the effort. That's Who right. do I have to impress? I have no one to impress. Oh, uh, me. No. All right. Well, t- take off the hat just so we can see, and, and people can be a no. judge of whether or not I'm a bad guy. No, I'm not taking the hat off. Such a bad guy. Look at that. All right, fine. I'll take the hat off. You it know what? It looks a lot now. better now, I think. It looks worse now. I don't know. Because I had a hat on. See, sometimes I think hat hair actually helps. Because it kind of compresses sure. it and keeps it tight. Yeah. At least for me. Should we get to yeah. real sports now, or do you want to do my... Uh... You have your, like, Lego man hair, and you're acting like you're the... What do you mean Lego man <laughs> hair? What does that mean? Your hair right now looks like the one you stick on top of the Lego man. You say it's a toupee? No. Are you just, saying I'm wearing a wig? No, it just looks like the Lego man hair. It looks lovely. It's well coiffed. Uh, yeah, again, the Lego man hair. It's, it's perfect every time out of the box, but it's Lego man hair. I'm perfect in the box. What can I say? Coming out of the box, I, I, perfect. It's... Hair, perfect. Beard, nice, Not an insult. perfect. My beard is at an interesting state right now because some within the uh, the clubhouse think it needs to be trimmed, um, but me, the captain of the team, would like to see how long I can do uh, I can grow. It. I love so it. So there's a lot. I love it. A lot of discourse. See, so I was actually going to ask you this off air. I'll bring it on air too because we have you know what are we talking about? Spring training baseball. That's what we're going to talk right. about. No, I have a question for you. A real personal question, if you will. Do you okay. have a trimmer that you use on your beard that like has like a guard that's like super long? I have the same exact trimmer that you, you have. You don't have anything else? That's the only one you use? Uh, that's the only one I, I use. I've ran yeah. into an issue with the one that we use. And I love it. It's, it's a great product. But it only goes up to four millimeters. And, you know, 
earlier, I think last week or this week, I had a longer beard and I really liked it, but it was getting to the point where I couldn't keep it neat. Right. right. It was patchy in some spots. So I shaved, but I wanted to keep it longer than what it is now, the longest setting. And I was wondering if you had any recommendations for me. Um, no, I mean, the th- I, I know that issue because when I try to trim it, sometimes I'm like, well, I guess I'm going short because I don't have any other yeah. options. So I usually just grow it and I don't know. Like, I think it still uh, looks okay right now. I just, I get a lot of patches on like the side of my like jawline. So it doesn't look normal because there's just a yeah. big, I mean, patch of thicker hair shaving the left side of my face is always an adventure like it yeah. is brutal like that little corner oh mm-hmm. man it's impossible yeah it's real tough all right well all right let's do it this way i've got a, a fun little bit loop but we'll, we need to get into some sports so maybe we'll save the the conundrum that i found myself in yesterday uh before moving the needle how does that sound sounds great all right that, that's a tease if you will in the industry um Quickly over the weekend, the, the Nets fire their head coach Jacques Vaughn after a Jacques twenty-one Vaughn. and thirty-three start. Uh, three games over five hundred in his career in the regular season, zero and eight in the playoffs. It, it feels like the 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 real time when when it ended was that one game they had what against Milwaukee when they just sat the entire team. That kind of feels like the beginning of the end for the Nets and Jack Vaughn. Jacques Vaughn. I'm, what am uh, I, yeah. I'm saying Jack. Jacques? You just keep saying Jack. No, I'm saying Jacques. That now you said it right. I, I think all right, whatever. I I, Trust I can be French guy. When I have to pronounce Soto's first name, it's gonna be a misery, misery too. You could just say Juan. You don't have to say Juan. Juan, okay. Should, should I call him John? John Soto? <laughs> yeah. John Soto and Arson Judge. Um, but the so you know, it definitely felt like the that was definitely a moment where things started to turn. And then you have the 50 point loss to Boston before the All Star break. We're like, look, I get it. The Nets are not a great team, but you're telling me you can, you lose by 50 to another NBA team. Like, you're not the Pistons. I mean, at that point, it's a little bit embarrassing. And it's interesting because I think a lot of people were like, oh, what is he supposed to do? This isn't a great roster. It's not a great roster, but they have some nice pieces. I mean, Cam Thomas, hot and cold, but when he's hot, he's been really good. Obviously, uh, Bridges has been their best player. And looking at some of the reaction of the players, they didn't seem to love Jacques Vaughn. And I'm not exactly sure why, but there seemed to be a lot of positive feelings about Kevin Ollie coming in to be the new head coach. So, you know, I think they can make a push for that playing game. It's not like they're competing for a championship or anything but i will say this matt a little a little hardwood for you Ooh. i like the nets a lot tonight i like the bump of of the interim coach i think there's a new energy coming off the all-star break toronto is an okay team but i think brooklyn's plus one and a half i like that nets money line today baby i think they come out and play hard i like it luke i like it it's it's tough because he was kind of dealt a, a bad situation right the, the way this team has changed as much as it has he came in what after steve nash so he had Half it's a weird, Matt. So and Harden and those boys. Yeah, and what's weird is he actually came in during the bubble. He coached, um, and then I think then they hired Nash. Um, and he was the assistant, bubble. right? Yeah, and then he came back. Gotcha. So yeah, he's kind of had two. I mean, the first stint was very short, but he's kind of had two small runs. Right, and he's a fine head coach. This this team is just in such a tough space, and for me, it's kind of surprising that. They want to build around Mikael Bridges. It feels like it's easier to just send him out, bring in four firsts, and then go from there. But you know what? Do you think Sean Marks is a good GM? I think he's a very good GM, but the one mistake he made was banking on Kyrie Irving being like normal. Because yeah. he built a nice roster, but you were never going to win with that roster. And what, do you want to be a team that constantly loses in the first round? No, so you're making, you go and get a splash, and then... When it didn't really work out, for, for me, the only complaint I do have is bringing in James Harden over, you know, just leaving it at Kyrie and KD. Yeah, that was kind of the tough part, but it feels like once you bend the knee, you know, one time to KD and Kyrie, you're going to have to kind of keep doing it to keep them happy. And I agree, though, the, the James Harden-Ben Simmons thing was probably the worst thing. But now you'll get Ben Simmons, and he's a very tradable contract, right? We talk about it with the Knicks all the time. You need that salary match. They do have that in Simmons, so if there is a star they think they can get – uh, to pair with Bridges, that's possible. But yeah, I don't really understand where the Nets are going right now. Um, I think if Josiah has any lack of trust in Marks, now has to be the time to to get rid of him. Let the new GM come in, decide what to do with Bridges. They do, I mean, they they unloaded draft picks, but they also got some back. So they're they're sitting in an okay spot with draft capital. And 
I just with Sean Marks, you know, you asked, is he a good GM? I think he's a pretty good talent evaluator for sure. Um, obviously, what he was doing before the the big three was was pretty impressive. The guys he was bringing in with late round picks and things like that. But I just they're in such a weird spot right now. They really are. Right. And you talk about he was a good GM, brought in good guys. Where did he get them? Right. It's it. You can bring in some really nice fringe. Second well, I think you could argue, Matt. It made them attractive enough for Katie and Kyrie. I don't know if that was the reason. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of those guys weren't on the team anymore. But you know, it made the Nets a name for a little while. But like, again, like let's talk about from the national landscape. Like you can bring in nice second rounders, and and I wonder maybe he learned kind of like what the Knicks have done the last few you know six months. You know, hit on those late round picks and then trade them when they become you know, closer to the end of their, their first deal. You look at IQ, you look at Grimes, you know, you move those guys. Yeah, they're nice contributors, but you're not going to pay them. Now you bring in guys that are, are worth a little bit more to you. And I wonder if that's kind of the route he, he goes, because from a building of a roster standpoint, you're not going to win with a bunch of middling first round picks or, or second round picks. You need to kind of go out there and make, be a little more aggressive. And maybe being aggressive isn't going after superstars that are kind of past or in their prime maybe it's kind of a slower build like the Knicks have but still making sure you're aggressive enough in finding and identifying elite talent not nice talent but really really good talent that fits a system well I guess this, the question with that is does Michael Bridges could he be that guy you know he averages 22 a game five boards four assists shoots 45 percent um he's a Villanova guy so you know he's, he's a smart basketball guy who's very good in college um plays both ends of the court you know, could he be, you know, maybe not your Jalen Brunson because he's not quite that talented, but just a guy that, you know, knows the game of basketball, plays it well, can pair well with another guy. Like, I mean, that's a big question because I don't think he's a star or, you know, he's not the number one option on a championship team for sure. He's not. But I think he's a nice two, three guy, like probably a step below a Julius Randle type. So, I mean, for the Nets, would you rather have him and try to find, you know, a Brunson type? To, to pair with him a nice guard or would you rather just say no let's just dump him get the first and then completely blow it up and it's it's kind of the the struggle between do we want to be this middling you know eight to ten seed or do we want to just blow it up try to draft a star or try to trade all these picks for for another player it's strange he's already 27 and by no means is that old in the nba but he's got what three years left of, of his prime is that fair to say you know i'm not too familiar with aging uh... person basketball i, I know like Katie's what thirty four and he's still great. Yeah, I think it depends. But I, I I don't know. I look at the roster and it just it's so fascinating because they're not a super young team necessarily. They're a nice team, but do you want to? Do you think you can build a championship contender in the next three years? That's kind of my no. my concern, right? It's not a super no, I mean, young team. It's not a team that has a lot of of young talent, right? I mean the you know Cam Thomas is twenty two, but is he? Anything more than a six man, really? I don't think so. I, I don't know. I think the key, I think the key right now for the Nets is can they be kind of what the Clippers have done, which they tried to do already, but could they run that back, right? Where it's you get a star that wants to be in New York City, but it's like, I don't really want to play for the Knicks. You know, Kawhi, I don't really want to play for the Lakers. Uh, I'll go to the Clippers. I'll still be in a great city. I'll still get paid. But not everyone's going to care as much. Can you get that? And then by bringing in that guy, you get your Paul George as well. Like, is that a possibility for them where they can just say, we're kind of just going to hang out, see what happens. And then maybe if a guy shakes loose that wants to play in New York, but maybe doesn't want to play for the Knicks. Like, that kind of feels like the only way the Nets will ever compete unless they draft an absolute, you know, superstar, which they're not in the top five pick range right now. So, again, like, do you want to be in the middle or do you just kind of hope that there's a Kawhi situation? But they can't find their Jalen Brunson. And look, Jalen Brunson's don't fall off of trees, right? But, you know, could Emmanuel quickly be that guy, right? Look at what he's done in Toronto. And maybe he's not a superstar, but if you pair him with a guy, you know, an IQ type with a guy like Mikael Bridges, and then, you you know, you have a young Nick Claxton at the center position, that's a nice piece. Like, could you piece something together? Plus the four first-round picks that, you, you know, the handful of first-round picks you, you do have from, I guess, what was that, the Ben Simmons trade? Or when they offloaded James Harden? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's something for sure. I mean, it probably gets them from the 11 where they are now, maybe like a, an 8 or a 9. But, yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, we'll see. I'm kind of curious to see how Ali handles this. He 
has had such a weird coaching trajectory because he came in hot at UConn, won the national championship in 2014. And then it was like, oh, man, it was the Lakers job. They were like, is he going to the Lakers? Kevin Ollie's the hottest name in basketball. Stayed at UConn. They fell off a cliff. Then he kind of middled around, was an assistant. And now he's an assistant. Now he's got a head coaching job. So, you know, he's a guy that early on seemed like he was going to be one of these great young basketball minds. And then, you know, lately he's kind of flown under the radar. So I'm kind of curious to see, you know, what he's learned. But, you know, a coach can only do so much. He's not going to change this roster. But I think if he does a good enough job, they can certainly make the play-in game. Yeah, for sure. It's not that difficult to, to make the playoffs in the play-in game in the NBA. Uh, quickly, they start up, what, the second half against the Raptors tonight. The Knicks start against the Sixers tonight. No, obviously, no Joel Embiid for the Knicks, no Randall. Seems like there's no OG, obviously, as well. No Mitch Robinson. And then I think, uh, who else was questionable in that? I don't know. I know Hartenstein, uh, DiVincenzo, and uh, who was the third guy? Oh, Bogdanovich were all out um, the right. last game. I, I think – I want to say Dante is good to go. I don't know about uh, Bogdanovich. Yeah, he's, he's, not on the, he's not on there. And then Hartenstein and Bogdanovich are both game time decisions. Sounds so. like Hartenstein is out as a – or he's probable for tonight. And then so is Bogdanovich. But you, yeah, so you're kind of getting your – Full half strength back. Yeah, you got to get those guys back in soon. Obviously, you know that's not a crazy thing to say, but it it feels like you can't really evaluate this team without those three pieces, and then really beyond that, with Julius Randle, OG, and Robinson too. But at least you get those three guys in. Now you have actual basketball players that can can play the game, and you're not playing Charlie Brown. I don't know if you heard. Randall talking but it was it was kind of a little weird like he was like yeah I'm definitely gonna be back and then he kind of walked it back and he's like you know as of now I don't need the surgery hopefully I don't need the surgery you know I'm trying to be back for the playoffs you know he joked around like I'll be back April 1st and they're like wait what and he's like no no I want to be back sooner than that so you know this these injuries aren't you know they're not run-of-the-mill injuries I know OG got the procedure so you hope hope that kind of clears him up for when he's back but like Randall didn't get a surgery, so he's kind of just hoping that Russ will heal it. And, you know, as a shooter, you never want your shoulder to be uh, compromised. So it's these aren't easy injuries to come back. From. No, and it feels like he's going to need surgery after the season as a definite. It just depends on whether or not he can m- manage through yeah. the rest of this and, year. But isn't that tough, Matt? Because we were like this playoff run is so dependent on Randall and last offseason or last playoffs, you know, he needed the surgery. He played through it. And obviously that was a little bit different because he didn't get a ton of rest at the end of the season. I think he only got like a, a week or two off with the ankle injury, but he was ineffective. So, you know, if this is as tough of an injury for him, you know, that's that's a huge issue for them. I do think the team's a lot better. Like we talk about how important is Randall oh, right now for the playoff run. If OG's healthy and Bogdanovich is healthy and these guys are healthy. Julius Randle, I don't think he needs to be a, a, as good, as important as it was last year. He probably still needs to start, and you want him to play 35 minutes if he can. But based on the way the team is constructed now, you have some options beyond him that maybe can't muscle around in the paint, but they can still shoot and put up some points and take the pressure off. I agree, but I also don't see this team making like a crazy run without him. And you know maybe that's off the table already, but if he's not playing – you know, a step below the all-star level, I, I think their ceiling does take a little bit, little bit of a dip. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you there, Luke. Why don't we get to I mean, baseball? OG's a great player, but he's not – you don't want him to be your second scoring option. You want him to be focused on defense in an ideal situation. Yeah, for sure. Let, let's get to baseball. The Mets earlier today announced that Kodash Sang will be shut down due to a mild strain of his posterior capsule. Luke, before I wrote in the rundown in his shoulder, did you know where the posterior capsule is? No, actually, one like I think Paston was the first to tweet us. I was like, "What? What is going on? What does that mean?" It, and then everyone's like, "Oh, it's just like a shoulder issue." I was like, "Oh." Posterior <laughs> capsule really means nothing if you if you break it down, because posterior, if I'm not mistaken, is the backside of something, right? Yes. And a capsule. What, what's a capsule? It's like a pill. The, yeah, it's like the the, the top. <laughs> a capsule is just like a pill. Like you swallow a capsule of medicine. Or like or the isn't like a t- a top of a bottle technically yeah. like a capsule. So like, what are we really talking about here? <laughs> Yeah, they're just words. Yeah. But, I mean, him missing opening day is certainly significant depending on how you see the season. I mean, a lot of people have already said, you know, this isn't going to be a good year. They're going for 2025. But, I mean, this rotation is really bad. I mean, it's really bad. You look at it like, 
you know, Severino is boomer bust. Quintana's coming off an injury. Manaya was thrown to the bullpen last year because he was so bad starting to start the season. And he was also injured. Um, you know, you've got some other young guys in there. So it's it's not what you want when it comes to the starting rotation. It's not. And what's what's tough is, you know, you say you don't know what to expect from this team this season. If Senga's healthy, they could win 85 games. Like, there's a chance they sneak into that third wild card with how easy it is to get in and how bad the, the National League was last year. But without him, this team, is it crazy they could be one of the worst in baseball? It's not going to be on the A's level. It's not going to be on, you know, that type of level of bad. But I don't trust Severino to stay healthy. I don't trust Quintana to be anything more than a middling starting pitcher. We don't know what Shamanai is. And then you've got two guys, Tyler McGill, who's, who really shouldn't be starting, and Adrian Hauser, who I, I don't know who that is. I don't know who <laughs> that is. And look, I'm not a baseball guy necessarily, but it, it feels so damning that this team talks about the money they have in Steve Cohen and talks about wanting to compete. And yeah, you're rebuilding and trying to reset, but to not bring in another starting pitcher with this injury coming up is astonishing to me. It is really crazy that this team has no desire to at least try to compete if Kodai Seng is out long-term. And look, the injury will yeah. be out for a little bit. He'll be out, You can come back, you know, maybe he's back two weeks into the season, and it's not a huge deal. He misses, what, three starts, if that. So it's not a huge deal in, in that regard, but, I mean, can you put a representable product on the field? There's got to be some dude that you can throw out there as your fifth starter that is actually a name that isn't like a creative player in, in MLB the show. I I don't really understand why the Mets haven't been linked with Jordan Montgomery. I, it just makes a lot of sense to me. And I know, you know, the asking price probably too high. I understand why they're not going for Blake Snell. The only teams that can absorb Blake Snell are teams with great bullpens. The Mets don't have a great bullpen. You know, if the Yankees sign him, sure. You know, you're, you're able to manage, you know, the sixth or the ninth a little bit easier, but you know, I, Montgomery seems like a slam dunk. He eats innings. He's been very consistent. You know, he's not a number one starter, but he's going to pitch to a 3-3 to a 3-6 ERA every single year. Um, and he kind of, even if you're saying, you know, we're not competing until next year, you're not signing him to a one-year deal. So I don't really, I'm kind of surprised they haven't been in on him, especially at this point. I know they're saying, you know, we're not going to make a desperation signing. We're only going to sign guys that help this roster. But, I mean, I know that it's like, okay, we're looking for 2025, but, like, what on this team right now? Now is saying, you know, they're going to be ready to compete next year. You know, Lindor is going to be there, obviously, next year for the long haul. I um, mean, he's been very good. Not worth the money he's being paid, but he's been very good. Pete Alonso is going to be a free agent. Um, you know, McNeil and Nimmo are, are getting older. Um, you know, obviously, Alvarez is a nice piece. You don't know what Brett Beatty is. You don't know what Mark Vientos is. You know, DJ Stewart might be your opening day DH. Starling Marte might be on his way out. Like, you know, Hay Harrison Bader was added. Like, that's a lot of free agent signings next year if you don't think these young guys are going to pan out and you don't think you're going to re-sign Pete Alonso. So I'd be a little cautious if I'm a Mets fan just automatically saying, oh, yeah, next year is the year. It does feel like they're preparing, though, to take a run at Soto. It does feel like they're taking, you know, taking a big stab at something. But how many elite starting pitchers are there out there in free agent market every year? Like two, three? Yeah. So from that standpoint, if you want to compete next year, like, you know, maybe it's not Snell, Luke, and I kind of agree with you there just because the, the money is high and they can't really absorb a player like that. Jordan Montgomery, he can pitch great this year. Yeah, maybe you're not resetting and you're paying a lot for the luxury tax, but you need to give a little bit to be prepared to play well next season. If you're punting on this year, look ahead to next year. And, and I just, it's so shocking to me that they're not bringing anybody in, like a competent pitcher. Because if you're going into next season, let's say, just with Sanga as your elite pitcher, you're going to need two or three really strong arms, one borderline elite, you know, maybe slightly a step below Sanga, and then one or two very competent innings eaters. And to, to have the opportunity to get multiple of those guys, I just don't see happening one offseason. Yeah, and you look right – I'm just looking right now just quickly at guys who are going to be free agents. Garrett Cole could be. It's not going to happen. Uh, the Yankees will pick up his the option that extends the contract. Um, Verlander and Scherzer will both be free agents. Don't think they're going to run that back. Uh, Corbin Burns, Zach Wheeler, who I, I did very much doubt he's coming back to the Mets. Uh, Max Freed, Shane Bieber, Walker Bueller, Nathan Avaldi, 
So there's some names, but you're not having these huge, huge names on the market next year. So, you know, I think Montgomery provides a really nice number two. Um, you know, some people see him as a three, but I think he slots in nicely as a two on this rotation. And then, like I mentioned before, Matt, like I, I understand it's nice to give this long audition for your your young prospects. But like if they all have bad years this year, then you're really in a pickle. Yeah, for sure. No doubt. But, but I, I do agree with the sentiment you, you opened with, though, like. At its peak, this team could be that third wildcard team. Like, there's no team that really can't be besides, I don't know, I guess the Rockies can't, you know, even I think the NL Central even can compete for that third wildcard spot. So there's not a lot of teams that are, you know, completely eliminated in the NL to start the season. So I guess maybe the, the Pirates, who I'm, who I'm repping today, but it's it's feasible. But if Senga's going to be out for a long time, I just I just don't see this rotation holding no, up. No, I... Even with him healthy, I didn't know how much you're kind of giving him, you know, how often can even be really contributing and, or how good can they be, I should say, even if he play, you know, starts 28 games like he did last year. I do think bringing back Diaz completely changed the dynamic of this bullpen, though. I think their bullpen will be 8 to 13th in the MLB in an ideal world. Maybe not because they're taxed more with the starting rotation they do have, but I think it'll be a very solid enough rota- uh, bullpen that it'll blow a game here and there, but I think it will be okay long-term this season. Yeah, I mean, they got Adam out of Vino back, which is nice. Uh, Drew Smith kind of came in at the end, Brooks Witt Rayleigh. Yeah, they, they've got some arms in there, but I mean, some of the issue now is some of those long reliever guys are now going to be thrown into the starting rotation, so that kind of screws with things. You know, it, it all... It all happens in a not in a vacuum. It's dominoes, yeah. you know. Also, like let you know to get back to competing and looking in the future. Like Edwin Diaz is already twenty nine. Are you are you willing to just waste a season of him? Waste Brendan Nimmo's season? Wasting Lindor? Like Jeff McNeil? If you bring back Pete Alonso, he's getting up there in age. So like it's it's so crazy to me that this is a team that wants to spend and wants to win. And you learned your lesson last year. You can't throw all this money at random guys. But to, to feel like you're punting on the season this early is just really – it's just a shame. Because, like, I want to be excited about both baseball teams. But with the Mets, it doesn't feel like you can. But could the Mets be that fun underdog-type team? Can they be an underdog, though, when the Mets fans expect them to spend like the Yankees and win? Like, is this going to be a fun season for Mets fans, or is it going to be – Oh, we stink again. We're cursed. Yada yada. Like I don't I think see it's them gonna thinking be of themselves as an underdog team anymore when you have no internal financial restrictions. Yeah, I mean, I guess the the real problem is they're obviously they still have to pay Scherzer and Verlander this year, so that kind of hold things up. But I, I mean, that'd be my defense of the Mets, right? They they are, they have to spend that money this year and. There weren't a ton of slam dunks. I mean, they tried for Yamamoto. He was never going to come here. Um, it kind of feels like they have to be all in for Soto next year. Like, that feels like they, they almost have to um, go all out for him. And, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's tough. I don't think they're going to be that, like, lovable loser storyline this year. But it's it's shaping up to probably be a pretty pretty rough season uh, in Queens. Yeah. Uh, Luke, speaking of Soto, Mets fans, you know, Mets ownership, listen, you don't want Soto. Tuesday, he struck out three times. You don't want him. To Nestor Cortez. Yeah, of all people. He struck out to Super Mario, a plumber. But I'm, I'm, I know we talked about the other week. I'm really high on this team. I think it's going to be really exciting and fun. Um, I feel like the biggest question for me is, like, where do you bat Judge and Soto in the lineup? Like, that to me is what's so exciting about this team. We, oh, we didn't even talk about Giancarlo Stanton because we my internet was – it was like it was a mouse running on a treadmill. That was the speed of my internet. It was not great. Um, but Stan looks completely different and that really excites me because you, you know, he talks about needing to get in better shape and baseball and playing shape and it's a lot of talk, but we, we clearly see the difference in what he looks like coming to, to, I guess, training camp now. Yeah. You can't say he's not trying, right? Like this isn't a, uh, I don't know if you saw the picture of the Marlins pitcher, Sixto Sanchez. Uh, He was looking very, very chonk on the mound. Uh, yesterday, this isn't one of those situations. Like he's clearly saying, you know, Maybe people are right about me being just too jacked, you know, the that really hurts the soft tissue and things like that. And he, I think what stuck out to me, Matt, was he said, you know, I want to be a baseball player again. Right. I want to be an athlete. I don't want to just be the DH that goes up there, tries to swing for the fences and, you know, fails. I want to be able to run the bases. I want to be able to run in the outfield. And I I respect it a lot. Honestly, I, I'm 
I don't know if this is going to prevent a lot of injuries. You know, maybe his body just the wear and tear. And at this point in his career, he's not going to play a full season. But if this helps a little bit with the running and stuff, I think that's important. You know, there are some really embarrassing clips of him running last year. I'm sure he didn't love that. I guess the question is, you know, does it suck some power away? And is that okay for the Yankees to, you know, lose some power if it means getting some athleticism? I think it has to because what was the power giving you last year? Sub 200s could hardly play. I, I think. If he was hitting 50 homers and playing 150, you know, 140 games and maybe his batting average was low or his you know, extra base hits were low, you can take that. But he's just – he wasn't good. So what's the worst that happens? He isn't hitting like he was last year, but he's just a little thinner. I, mean, I think it's fine. Yeah, I mean his best year at the Yankees, what I would say, was 2021 where he played 139 games, he had 35 home runs, 97 RBIs, he hit 273 and got on base at a 354 clip. So if you can get anywhere close to that, you know, last year he had, he hit 191 with 24 home runs, 60 RBIs. So if you can kind of find a middle ground there, I think you're, you're pretty happy because like I said uh, last week, you know, this roster is built to absorb a Stanton injury better than it has been before. But if you can get something out of him, it's, it's definitely gravy and you're still paying him a lot of money. So it's not like he's some, you know, some just some some schlub. He's still one of your highest paid players, it and does, you want him to produce. Sorry, it, it does feel like he is the least one of the least important players on this team, and I say that positively because now he can take the pressure off himself. You know, when it's just him and Judge, he feels like he's the number two, and maybe he wasn't built to be a number two in this lineup. Now you've got Soto to take pressure off it. You've got a slew of outfielders, so he doesn't need to play in the outfield every day. You know, if he gets injured, you can put judge as your DH for a couple weeks or a couple games, whatever it is. It feels like this team is so much deeper than it's been in the past with legitimate players in the outfield, especially that taking that pressure off him might do wonders for him. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, you got Verdugo, you've got Grisham, obviously judge can play, you know, anywhere you put him in the outfield and, you know, you mentioned the, the lineup. It's, it's really interesting. It looks like DJ is definitely going to lead off. And then the question is Soto to or judge to, and, I kind of right now I'm leaning Soto too. I, I like Soto in the two spot. I like Judge behind him. I think you know it gives you some balance too, right? Late in the games when you bring in a reliever, they have to go lefty or righty, lefty, righty. I think Rizzo will probably be the cleanup hitter. So you, you even add another lefty after your righty. There's a lot of balance to this lineup for sure. Um, I, I think I like Judge in the three spot. And to be honest, you know, not that it's his final call, but he makes it sound like he wants it third. And I think if he's more comfortable there, then I think that's probably the right move. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I look at Soto, and he's a great player. He's not a power bat, so to speak. If you want to compare averages from last season, Judge hit two more home runs than him in almost 60 fewer games, or 50, 56 fewer games. He gets on base a, you know, a bit more. But for a guy like Judge to, you know, maybe he's getting a few less at-bats, but is he really getting a few less at bats if Soto gets on at a 40% clip? He's really only dipped. I think you get something like the numbers, like 40 more at bats batting second versus third. But if Soto gets on base 40% of the time, you're really only missing out on 10, right? Yeah. So it's, it's not that I, drastic. And I love the way judge is talking right now. Like just saying how important it is for him to be better situationally to drive in runs I think by having Soto in front of him, that definitely increases their chances because he gets on base at such a high clip. It's like if you're in the first inning and every single time, you know, you hope DJ is better, too. If you're like you got a man on two men on every time Judge comes to play for the first time, I think you're you're definitely feeling a lot better. And I think Judge does have that little bit of a power advantage, although, you know, Soto's no slouch. I, I, I He can easily put up 45 home runs in Yankee Stadium and I wouldn't be surprised. But, yeah, I, I think I think you give the nod to Judge and let him hit third. Yeah, for sure. Um. Anything else you want to get in? Oh, there's something I want to get into. I forgot to write it down. Did you see the 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 um the fanatics pants? Oh yeah, yes. Just trying to grow the game. There was a very uh, tough picture the Giants posted. Yeah, I'd forget which player it was, but oh, I think I have it there on was my phone. Let me try to pull it up. You could see a lot. It was uh, it's, it's Casey bad. Schmidt. Yeah, it's bad. Let me tell you, Luke. I can tell you for a fact he's not Lance Armstrong down there. Wow. One and two. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, oh, you were thinking I was going the steroid route. Yeah, I thought you were going. Oh steroid no, route. I was going the 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 ones and twos route, got, if you will. Got, it. got it. Um, yeah, it was. 
it's bad. I mean, I usually like to disagree with what the majority opinion is, but like this is not good. And people like buying the jerseys too. Like you're paying, you know, three hundred dollars, whatever, for an authentic jersey, and it's it's garbage. That's why you know that's why I buy illegally. That's right. That's right. Luke, uh, I'll get on to my we'll, – we'll move the needle quickly, which would be a much more exciting segment if you had a close-up shot of someone wearing the Fanatics pants. <laughs> um, speaking of pants, I, I might have bought women's pants the other day. Oh, no. Uh, I was at TJ Maxx. I was looking for some running gear, and it was in the men's section, but they look like leggings. Okay. And I have them right here I- that you can look at. Yeah, let's let's the, get the waistband ass. doesn't look great for me. If you can see, here's the waistband, okay. right? Yeah. Um, just they they look they're like tight. They're kind of leggingy material. They're moisture wicking. Let, let me see the bottom. Okay, they're okay. they're joggers though. So they've got the cuff. I don't I don't think these are women's. I mean, I. I know they're they're not because they're mediums, and I don't think I'm a women's medium. Right. But they look like I was sitting there in in the changing room trying these on to make sure they fit because I didn't want to walk all the way back up to exchange them. And I was like, I might have to wear like a long sweatshirt or like shorts over the top to, to oh, hide, no. you know, make sure that I'm covered properly to hide to hide the wattlings. Yeah, to hide the wattling, to hide the uh, the posterior capsule, if you will. <laughs> I, I might need to be putting on some extra clothes here. Yeah, I was going to say, could you use them as leggings and just wear shorts over them, or would that not I'm work? I'm going to, because that's a thing people do in the running community, but I'm I'm very worried that these are, they're not women's pants. But I see. But they feel I very dudes, women's pants-like. But, but I see dudes wearing, like, those basketball leggings a lot. Like, I don't think it's a huge deal if you're wearing something. It, now, if you're not wearing something over them, there's a lot to see, then that might be a problem. Oh, there, there's not a lot to see, let me tell you. Well, yeah, you, you know what I mean, but also, so you tried them on and you still bought them. Because they fit, and I needed something to wear, <laughs> at the very least, underneath a pair of shorts. Okay. Um. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. It rung up as a men's pant, but I, I don't yeah, know if exactly. I trust it. I think, I think you're All clear. Right, thank I think you. you're clear. Um, um, go, it's time let's to try to move needle. your needle, though. Let's try to make those pants look a little more impressive. Oh, yeah. You um, let's that. start with Kevin Durant. Uh, he had a little podcast type thing with Rich Kleiman. Um, Kleiman asked him to admit the Knicks are cool. Of course, five years ago, KD said the Knicks weren't cool. Um, KD said at the time they weren't, but they're a cool brand. Like right now, they're popping right now. Last few years, they've been playing well. At the time, the team wasn't cool to play for. Living in New York made me truly realize it's the greatest city in the world. Um, so <sighs> he was never going to the Knicks, man. I, I don't care if they were popping. I don't care if they were a great brand at the time the Knicks are always a, a top brand I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and lie about it but I don't care what roster they had at the time I, I don't think KD was ever gonna play for the Knicks because of because of that pressure I wonder if he comes there his next contract if things don't work out in Phoenix does he jump ship and go out there it's very clear his agent you know Kleiman wants him to go there his dad his aunt I, I wonder if there's a chance that you get a slightly older veteran Kevin Durant to be you know Take a lesser ride, take a lesser seat, but he can still shoot and and play as I guess what he'd be a three. But does that move your needle? You know, three years from now. Oh yeah, it does. I think so. Oh, it does. Okay. I think it does. I was trying to uh, look up his contract. I think he's got what? Oh, I don't know. Did he sign an extension? He's with got Phoenix? two years. He's got two years left after this. He he's have? a free agent in twenty twenty six at the age of thirty eight. So. But I mean, free agency is is not a thing. Like KD could just say, "I want to go to the Knicks," and they would have right. to trade him there. So I think it'd be it's all a move. I think it'd be a cool moment for for this team and for for me. I, I don't know if Knicks fans would love that. I, I am I really a Knicks fan, and I would love it, Luke. Find yeah. a new slant. Um, NBA All Star Weekend happened. I still want to talk about. It. I know it's Thursday, but um, the East defeated the West two hundred eleven to one hundred eighty six. Oh my god! I had the over. So great, great play by me. Um. All-Star Weekend as a whole, Steph beat Sabrina 29-26 to in the three-point shootout. Damian Lillard won the three-point contest and the All-Star Game MVP. And then, of course, the dunk contest debacle with Jalen Brown. So I ask you this, Matt. Did the NBA All-Star Weekend move the needle at no. all? Not in the slightest. The game I had on and I did not look at once. I, I texted one of my cars. I'm like, I forgot that it was on. I thought the Steph versus Sabrina thing was, was really fun. That I was locked into. 
Yes. The commentating killed it for me. Legitimately, like, ruined it. Because all I heard was, was it Kenny Smith talking mm-hmm. about j- just, I don't know why we need to, like, specify that she's a woman. Because it, it feels like you're taking away from her accomplishment in that moment. You know, talking about the I... WNBA ball and talking about where she's shooting from, whether it's the men's or women's three-point line. Just just let them play and just talk about it like it's a normal competition. Uh, I agree to a certain extent. I, I mean, what Kenny Smith said after was obviously terrible, but I think it was they needed to address like she is a woman, and like the fact that she's doing this, I think, is pretty cool and pretty inspiring for young girls. Yeah, but like, that's I think not that what part of he it. was doing. Like, it is very. It no, was no, very I know inspiring. he wasn't. I love the story. No, but you made it sound like they should just be like, all right, here's Steph, here's Sabrina, let's go. I, I think it was cool. Like before, when um, Ernie was like, oh, like you're doing this for all these girls, and and you know, Sabrina said the young girls and boys stuff like that. Like, I think that. It was worth it, but yeah, what Kenny Smith was saying was insane. Yeah, I guess I should have specified better. Just the Kenny Smith thing. And and when they were doing it in the moment, like, oh, they said he said something. What did he say? Oh, I forgot what it was. Well, he said, like, there's a women's team and a men's team golf for a reason, which made no sense. Like, she almost beat him. She put up the same amount as those four guys did in the three-point contest to go to the finals. Like, she she was very representative. Yeah, I just I don't know. It bothered me just the way it was talked about. Like you can set the stage of the rules and then forget the rules that that's kind of my mindset. Right. Yeah. Um, and she killed it. Like she, she won the all-star weekend in my opinion. Like that was the coolest moment of the weekend. And it wasn't because Steph beat her. It was because she put up a dominant performance. Yeah, I agree. Um, here's my take on the all-star game. We don't need to fix it. It, it just, I've, can we not just accept it? We do this conversation every year. Right, the one year where it was competitive, I think, was the year that Kobe had passed. That year where they did the the Elam ending and everyone was trying really hard at the end, that was cool. But like, these guys aren't going to go there and play a hundred percent. It's just not going to happen. Like you hear the guys talking about, like this is a break, this is fun, but we're not going to like. It sucks. Yeah, it sucks. But are people really tuning in still to the All Star game, expecting it to be like this intense matchup of basketball? I think people just need to change their expectations. Yeah, it's it's for the kids. It's for the kids, and they're going to enjoy it because they get to watch Steph Curry and Kevin Durant and whoever else, and, and that's it. Like, yeah, would I like them play a little more defense? Sure, but, like, I'm not really expecting anything great out of the All-Star game. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Brown did compete in the dunk contest, so he was the first actual player to do it in, in a few years, to be honest. And it really felt like they rigged it for him to make the finals. Um, I, I thought Jacob Toppin did a lot better than... Jalen Brown did. Jalen Brown did the Kai Sinet jump over while he's sitting down. First of all, Kai Sinet's like 5'5", five, five, and he was also sitting. It, here's the thing, Matt. Have we run out of dunks or have we run out of creativity? Because it kind of feels like there's just no dunks left. Creativity. You could get – I mean, the Dwight Howard. Was it Dwight Howard that blew a candle off the back rim? Who did that? Ooh, was that JaVel McGee? Mm-hmm. Or JaVel McGee, I think, did the two-ball dunk. Yeah. Like, we, we can't just, like, like that's cool. Like, jumping over a car, like Blake Griffin, that was cool. I don't know why we need to just jump over the same dude for it. It was Gerald Green. Gerald Green blew up. Like, that camera. was sick. That was so cool. That was awesome. Like, do more of that. Right? Like, what if we... Stop bringing Shaq out every single time. Like, we gotta stop jumping over Shaq. Yeah. I... I... It's just boring at this point. Like you don't need to be a well-known player to for me to enjoy the NBA for the dunk competition. Like I thought, Mac McClung, who yeah, he had some hype from last year's. He was fun to watch. He delivered. Like he did his thing, and that was cool. You know, uh, Jacob Toppin did a pretty good job. Like that was fun to watch. I don't need it to be a super famous player if they're just creative and good. I agree, but also I think maybe I might be done with G League players doing it. Like, I, I know they're great, but, like, they have a G League dunk contest. It know? is a little like, This is the NBA dunk co- At that point, I think you should bring in street ballers, too. Like, if you're just, like, opening up free-for-all, let guys come in that dunk for a living at that point. And then we'll really see stuff we've never seen. Like, if that's what we want, if we want cool dunks, then we should do cool dunks. If we want NBA players, then we should have NBA players. Like, I feel like they're trying to do both, and it kind of messes up yeah, everything. That's fair. That's fair. Um, Rick Pitino was not happy, uh, over the weekend after St. John blew a big game to Seton Hall. Uh, luckily the Johnnies got back on track with a big win over Georgetown with Mike Morano in attendance in, in DC yesterday. But, uh, Pitino said, this is the most 
unenjoyable experience of my life. This has been so disappointing. Um, I'm going to change the words here, but do we have crappy facilities? Yes, we do, but we're doing something about that. That's not the reason we're losing. Having crappy facilities has some, nothing to do with guarding. Um, then he said, Joel's slow laterally, laterally. Chris Ledlam is slow laterally. Sean Conway is slow laterally. Uh, Brady's physically weak. <laughs> Drissa is slow laterally. So this is just him talking about his team. You picked the team, man. I, like, I, I don't know what you want. I know you came in late to it, but like, I don't know what you expect. These these are the same dudes you, you wanted to play for your team, you know, five months Luke, ago. Luke, I, I don't want to be that guy. But it's laterally. I can't speak. I know it's laterally. Say that word ten times in a sentence because I just had to do that. It was very – I'll read, I'll read it for you then. Yeah, I want I'll you read to the read line. the line. Let me pull it up here. Hopefully my computer doesn't explode. Okay. Let's see. Redirecting. This is the most unenjoyable experience of my life. No, it's two quotes um, down. Two quotes down. Joel's slow laterally. He's not fast in the court. Chris Ledlam is slow laterally. Sean Conway's slow laterally. Brady's physically <laughs> – that one killed me. Brady's physically weak. Drissa is slow laterally. There you go. How's that? Yeah, but you slowed that down. Yeah, I, mean, I, I trying... emphasize the syllables like a normal human being. Joel, Joel slow laterally. <laughs> Calling this dude weak is the funniest one out of all of them. He just goes, yeah, he just can't lift. He doesn't lift enough. It is great. This is a really tell you, dumb. And then he, if you remember, it was Wednesday. He's like, oh, yeah, like this is, this is what I meant, you know. This is fine. And then a day later, he's like, oh, no, you know what? The guys were offended. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do this. The apology was, would have been great if he just did it yesterday. But he went another day. It was two days of him being like, no, this is fine. This is the right thing to say. Yeah. So you need them to win again in order to yeah. uh, get them back on the side. Um, but um, Not great. Yeah. Let me, let me try to move you near here, Matt, with some hockey talk. So the Penguins retired Yarmir Yager's yes. number. The whole team came out to warm us with the jerseys, the Yager jersey on, the mullets. Yager himself came onto the ice. That was awesome. He also made a great comment about his girlfriend not being old enough to remember him on Pittsburgh. And then you had also with the stadium series, you had the Devils going full Sopranos outfits. And every single player on the flyers dressed like Rocky Balboa. So what what moved the needle most for you, Matt, out of these uh, NHL costumes over the weekend? Uh, the Devils and Sopranos was, was great. That was awesome. That was the fu- the only stadium series game this weekend. That was a lot of fun. It was a cool game. Just a nugget too about the uh, the, the Yager girlfriend thing. She was born in 1996, so she is 27 or 28. When I first read the comment, I didn't know how old she was, and I was like, "Is this something we want to say? Like this is funny, and it's yeah. Yager, and he's goofy, but he's like a 50 year old man." So I, I had to double check, and and the relationship wide age difference, but I, I would say acceptable. Okay, you're cool with it. Just, just being like, oh yeah, she doesn't remember me being an adult. Little, little sketch, little, little shady, but it, it's, it's okay. I love the flyers fits too. I, I love the, the full sweatshirts, the towel on the neck. I thought that was pretty. It, cool. it was nice. It was, a, it was a cool entrance. A couple stories to end with. Anthony Rendon hates baseball. Um, he says it's never been a top priority for me, and they plays the sport to make a living. He said this is a job. My faith, my family come first before this job. So if those things come before it, I'm, uh, I'm leaving. Of course, Rendon has not played a lot of baseball over the past few years after signing a seven-year, $245 million deal in 2019. He's never played more than 58 games in any season in the last four years. He's always had this opinion. So it feels like we need to maybe stop asking him about it. But what do you kind of make of this? Because I think a lot of guys probably feel this way. It just he's kind of the one that says it. Yeah, but you can say it in a different way. Like, he's saying it so angrily. Like, Nikola Jokic hates basketball. But he tries hard in the game. He's healthy. He plays almost every game. I don't know why we're – look, like, it's almost like I just don't want to talk about it because he doesn't deserve – he doesn't deserve the spotlight is kind of my my feeling about it. I agree. I'm not a huge fan of Rendon. Um, You know, he tried to fight a fan last year. He grabbed the guy's shirt. Yeah, he's, he's a bad guy. Don't know what kind of faith he was having in that moment, but I just, I despise him because it just feels like he never plays. So like, you're right. Like if you're going to have the opinion, dude, like at least play the game, like you don't even try. So it's like, well, could you have been playing and you just don't want to like, what's going on here? It's very strange. Uh, last, last, uh, story. I want to get your opinion on, see if I can move your needle. Does, um, Sam Howell move your needle, Matt? Because he is the 
uh, rumor potential backup quarterback for Aaron Rodgers this year. The Jets maybe could make a trade for him. This was reported by Connor Hughes of SNY. So does the idea of Sam Howell as the uh, Jets backup quarterback move your needle? I think it does. I think it does. I don't know. It depends on draft capital. But I think he could be a guy to replace Aaron Rodgers. Because, you know, he's throw, he slings it around. He Look, he, he has some issues, right? I think he's thrown a lot of interceptions, fumbles. But if you give him the Zach Wilson treatment and sit him on the bench for a year, which maybe you shouldn't bank on with the injury that happened last year with Rodgers, like, that could be fun. Could be a fun guy to have, right? Yeah, I like it. I mean, he was leading the NFL in passing yards for the longest time this year, which obviously not everything. A lot of garbage time. They were trailing in a lot of games, but... You know, he has potential. So if he can sit there behind Rodgers and learn a thing or two, I don't think it's a bad idea. I do think I prefer Ryan Tannehill, to be honest. Give me a guy I mean, for that this, made it to – did yeah. he make it to an AFC Championship game? He did, With yeah. a great defense well, like he, he has there. now. He's a passenger. But I think this team could win with Aaron with Ryan Tannehill. With the defense they have, if they bring back, <clears> you know, I think Jordan Whitehead. Although it sounds like he's leaving. I could be wrong, though. You know, Bryce Hoff is probably gone, but if Will McDonald steps up and is, can contribute, like, if this defense is like it was last year and you add in a legitimate wide receiver two and a legitimate offensive line piece or two, I think Ryan Tannehill could be a competent player and an even better backup because you don't expect him to play that much. Yeah, you've got other names in the mix, Jacoby Brissett, Gardner Minshew. I, I guess the question is, are the Jets – saying we need a good backup for this year because, yeah, I think, you know, all those guys could be a f- better option than they had last year. Or is it let's move for Howell. You know, he's, he could be a fine backup too, but also, you know, if we get good eyes on him, he could be the guy after Rodgers. So it's like, do you plan for next year or do you plan for, you know, a couple years after? I think you need to plan to win a championship because if you don't at least go on a run with this team and with Aaron Rodgers still under contract, this is a miserable failed season, failed experiment. And you fire everybody. If Tannehill comes in and then Rodgers gets hurt, Tannehill could at least win you a playoff game. And then maybe you have some leeway. You say, okay, well, yeah, we didn't win anything, but we won a couple playoffs games. We got back and Rodgers got hurt. So what are we supposed to do? Yeah. I mean, I think Howell could probably figure it out maybe too. I guess. Yeah, I, he, I feel he's safe. A little, he's a little greener. Yeah, I mean, he's he's safe. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, anything's better than, than Wilson for yeah. sure. But that, that's uh, me trying to move your needle. Great job. I should have had the pants on so you could you could analyze in real time. Yeah. <laughs> is that it? No, I just that, – you're, you're the host. Right. Like, you tell that's me. That's the show. We'll catch you guys next week. If you missed the moment <laughs> of the show, catch us on Twitter at Wally and Owens. Catch us on TikTok, Wally and Owens. And catch us wherever you get your podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.